Hi, this is Pastor Tamara Kraft from Revival Fire for Kids with an Ignite Kidman podcast. If you want your students to experience revival and the glory of God and become radical followers of Jesus, this is the podcast for you. Join us today as we start the journey, and I'll let you in on my story and experiences in Kidman. Hold on tight. You never know what the Holy Spirit is planning. I am so excited today to have my special guest. She is an apostolic minister, a writer, a public speaker, a graphic artist, and is the founder and director of Kids in Ministry International. She's been in children's ministry over 30 years and has ministered in 29 nations. And she's made appearances in a lot of places like Good Morning America and CNN Primetime and Charisma Magazine. So I am just so excited. I want to welcome Becky Fisher. And I met Becky at a focus conference where we were both teaching about leading children into the presence of God and felt an immediate connection with her. Becky, I feel like we're kindred spirits. We really are. I was thinking about that too, the very first year that you came to focus. And uh, when we discovered that we were teaching almost identical workshops, at first I was a little startled. I thought, oh, how is this going to work? But then I just realized, boy, the more voices that are out there saying the same thing, the more impact that we're going to make. So yes, uh, there's got to be more, more of us who are, are talking about these types of things because it's, it's just not the norm. Absolutely. And There's sure enough classes on how to have zany games and (laughs) discipline and how to teach Bible stories and and all of that stuff. So there needs to be more voices out there about teaching children to operate in the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. It's it's really a strange thing because I, I have had the opportunity to minister in a wide variety of Pentecostal slash charismatic churches, not just in the United States, but around the world. And what we're talking about right now is almost non-existent in the church. Um, in fact, I, I, I have a school that I call the School of Supernatural Children's Ministry. And after our students graduate, I asked them to send in a testimony. How did you like the school? What you know, impacted you all? And I thought this, these statements were very, very revealing. This came from one of my students uh, that said, for the past 18 years, I've learned so much as a children's minister. Over time, however, I began to notice that something was missing. The children didn't seem to be experiencing Jesus in a way like I did, in a way that captivated them and gave them a desire to live for him. I went to several other children's ministry trainings and other types of classes during that time. And I was told to appease their short attention spans and become a great entertainer. I was told that I needed to have a Disneyland mentality when it came to my classroom and to make sure that my class was fun above everything else. So I strive to do that. I strive to be an entertainer, making the lessons as fun and short and appealing as I could. And while that was good for a while, 
the kids were leaving the church still. So, and they were still following paths that led them away from Jesus as they got older. And I just said, there has to be more. There has to be a way to make Jesus real to them. And I don't know what your experience has been, but I find this a very common feedback from those who really are interested in taking kids into the deeper things of God. I find the same thing. I find that uh, many children's ministers, that if they do want to take kids into deeper things, they don't know where the resources are. They don't have the mentors because there aren't many of us out there who are experienced, who are teaching them. And then the ones, most of the ones don't even think about it. I mean, I get shocked looks when I talk about young children being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like how can a child be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Isn't that amazing? You're in a Pentecostal environment, Pentecostal denomination, and the very teachers don't even realize that kids can be filled. I ran into this. In fact, I ran into this uh, with a couple of the ministers at the Focus Conference. One guy wrote to me and he says, I sat in your class that talked about children being filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. And he said, no way. He said in the, all he had been in, I don't know, kids ministry for, I don't know, 15 years or something. And he said, never once in that amount of time have I ever taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit or offered the experience to the kids in my church. But after hearing you talk, even though I was skeptical, I decided to go ahead and give it a try. And he says, lo and behold, several kids in my church got filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, I never dreamed that children could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, are you serious? What's going on in our Pentecostal churches? But honestly, Tamara, if we're going to really be frank, many of the Pentecostal churches don't even teach their adults on this topic anymore. That's true. That's absolutely true. I moved, so I visited a lot of Pentecostal churches, and I can't tell you the number of churches where I never heard anyone speak in tongues. I never heard any teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I've even been in churches where they say, well, we relegate that to the back room so we won't scare visitors. Mm-hmm. I've even heard people using this catchphrase that the Holy Spirit is not weird. And when I heard that, I was shocked because in my life, every single thing the Holy Spirit has done has always been weird. By human <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking in tongues is weird. Let's face it. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, uh, people weeping under the power of God is weird if you've never seen it before. It and is. so, you know, and so uh, it, it, it's very, very strange. What I have discovered traveling on, on various levels of uh, Pentecostal charismatic dreams in the body of Christ is that some handle this better than others. And one of the things that I've discovered is that churches that don't have what we might consider weird. And I can talk about some weird things that I've seen over the years that go outside the boundaries of just even good etiquette. But a lot of them 
the, the secret is really teaching on it and teaching about the excesses and teaching your, uh, just like Paul did. I mean, he's, he put boundaries on, on what was uh, effective or uh, protocol in the, in the church and what was not. And what I, one of the things that I find in the Pentecostal denominations is that we're so focused on tongues and so focused on tongues and interpretation that we have completely forgotten about or eliminated the other gifts of the spirit. And part of that is because even our pastors can't define for you what the gifts of the spirit are, what they look like, give examples from the scripture, as well as their own personal experience of what those things look like when they operate in present day uh, culture. And because of the ignorance, because they don't know themselves how to put bound healthy boundaries, not squash the spirit, but healthy boundaries in uh, the local church that uh, all they know to do is just squash it down. Uh, let me give you an example. One of the excesses that I have seen many times in our churches is tongues and interpretation and old line Pentecostals. This was sort of their earmark, if you will, of whether or not a church was a healthy spirit filled church is if they allowed tongues and interpretation in the, in the services. But there was almost always uh, abuses in that area. And, and I'm sure you've seen instances like this. It was like uh, in the, one of the churches that I was a member of, whenever there was a sweet hush of the Holy Spirit at the end of a worship service, where you, the presence of God was really strong at the end of a, a set of worship songs, there would be this, just a stillness, a quietness. And without fail, the same guy, every single service would give a message in tongues. The problem is there was never an interpretation. No one else in the congregation had the interpretation. So there was even a longer silence after that. And after a period of time, well, the scripture says there has to be an interpretation. So it forced the pastor to have to give an interpretation. And many times I wondered, is this really God or is he making something up because it has to be done? Now, that was just my skeptical mind. And I thought to myself many times, why doesn't the pastor teach on this? Because the scripture is very clear in Corinthians that whoever gives a message in tongues is to pray that they give the interpretation, not somebody else, but they are the ones to give an interpretation. And I thought many times if the pastor would just teach on that verse, not, um, you know, trying to point someone out in the audience, but just in the, the general context of teaching on the gifts of the spirit, we'd cut out a whole lot of hanky panky and it would, it would uh, really change the dynamics. And we wouldn't, you know, I can remember sitting in the services when that hush of the Holy Spirit was there, just holding, holding my breath and saying, please don't give it tongues. Please don't give it tongues <laughs> because it was just such a sweet spirit. I didn't want anything to interrupt that. And so um, I, I find that the healthy churches, the pastors have done an excellent job of teaching uh, a lot of things such as this, and then just setting boundaries. In some cases, um, they had to, they would limit it to certain people 
were allowed, especially the mega churches where you've got thousands of people in the congregation and all. If they're a well-known ministry and people are coming in all the time, you know, you don't know who's in the audience. So they would have designated people. It would be people on the worship team. It would be their pastoral staff and, you know, um, board members or whatever. But there was a designated certain people that were allowed to, to prophesy or give tongues and interpretation. And if anyone else out in the congregation were to speak up, then the ushers were trained to very politely and very kindly just say, not now. And so, you know, there's, there's things that we can do in our Pentecostal churches to cut out the craziness if we would just look at it from a different perspective. Now, that's really kind of off the subject of what we're talking about. We're talking about kids <laughs> ministry, you know, and we're not even teaching people about the Holy Spirit in our Pentecostal churches and all. But I find that that is one of the reasons, and I've had several children's ministers who have been long-term kids ministry leaders in Pentecostal churches who have told me, it never occurred to them that kids could be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they had never, ever taught on it their entire ministry career. Well, I do think that even though it's off the topic, it kind of builds the foundation of it, because if adults are taught that this is out of line when you speak in tongues, when you prophesy, when you, you know, do whatever the Spirit leads, the gifts of the Spirit and you don't have the boundaries there, and you don't know what it is, then you're not going to teach it to the children. No, you're not. So, and, and I've had people even go even further where they teach kids to be good, and they're not even saved. They don't yeah. even understand salvation. Right. I was at a church camp once, and when I was younger in ministry, I was a children's pastor, and I I always seem to get the uh, rough girls, you know, in my cabin. Uh And I asked why. And they said, because you always seem to handle them all right. Well, you know why they bring this group of girls who'd been in church all their lives, but had never been saved. Yes. So within a day or two, I teach them about salvation. They'd all get saved and then they'd be wonderful. (laughs) You know, I read a statistic uh, in this past year and I read so many of them. I can't tell you where I got it. More than likely it was from Barna because I study his stuff more than anybody else, George. Right. But the statistic that I saw said less than one third of the children who attend our Sunday schools uh, graduate at the age of 12 and are born again. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Because most of the kids ministers that I know give frequent altar calls for salvation, but I wonder if it's how we present it. I I wonder if we, if, you know, if, if we just surround it with nothing, but, you know, ask Jesus into your heart and you'll go to heaven when you die. Is, is that the bulk of what we are, uh, what we do. Um, I know I've heard children's ministers say, ask Jesus to forgive your sins, but there's no further teaching beyond that. Well, is this a one-time thing or is this an ongoing relationship? You know, and, and there's so many things that we leave out. And a lot of it, uh, a lot of the reasons that I have discovered that kids ministers don't go beyond the real basics is because they don't think kids can handle the deeper things of God. And I think probably you have experienced the fact that yes, they can. And that is what I've based my ministry on. 
um, we have three, what I call three core values. And the first core value is giving kids the meat of the word instead of just a constant merry-go-round of Bible stories. In typical kids ministry, we build our lesson around the Bible story and everything that we do and say, all of our games, all of our uh, scriptures, all of that, uh, the, the crafts that we put together all relate to that Bible story. But very seldom do we go beyond that. In our ministry, we took a different approach. We would start with a biblical doctrine or a concept, and then we would bring in the Bible story to complement that. But we didn't build our lesson around the Bible story. We built a lesson around the meat of God's word. And there is a dramatic difference when you teach kids the meat of God's word. The second core value that we had was equipping the little saints for the work of the ministry. Now, what I mean by this is not only do we tell them that Jesus healed the sick, we get them up out of their chairs, demonstrate for them how to lay hands on the sick, how to pray for them, and we release them to practice healing the sick in our children's ministry. Then over a period of time, we would invite adults into the service who actually needed prayer for healing, and we would let the kids practice laying hands on them as well. We began to notice how they would then go out, they would go home, and it was automatic for them to lay hands on the sick. And whatever you're teaching on, whether it's hearing God's voice, whether it's uh, healing the sick, whether it's the gifts of the spirit, whatever it is, we gave them an opportunity. And we call this equipping. Equipping, another word for equipping is training. So core value number one was give them the meat of the word. Core value number two was equip them for the work of the ministry, because that's what uh, Hebrews says that we are supposed to do as church leaders. We are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And if we're leaders in, in children's ministry, then we are to equip the little saints. God, Jesus never put a, a age limit on the things that kids can do. Um, and then the third core value that we had was we made it a practice in every single service to reserve time at the end, whether it was 10 minutes or 15 minutes, to reserve time at the end, to bring children into the presence of God, teach them what it was, allow them to just bask in that presence, get used to what it felt like, and so that they began to actually have a relationship with God. If you eliminate any of those three things, Tamara, what we've got is we have given our kids religion with no relationship. We've given them a head knowledge with no heart knowledge. I knew we were connected for some reason. <laughs> those, those, although they're worded differently, could very well be my core values as well. And one thing I always do, and I'm sure you probably do this as well, is when I'm introducing children to the presence of God and uh, they are basking in the presence of God and a bunch of different things are happening in the service, I will take time afterwards, what I call it as a debriefing. <laughs> okay. I will talk about what happened. What did you hear? Yes. What did you feel? Yes things like that. And I'm sure you probably done that. That's amazing. <laughs> and then, then I say something like, isn't it fun being in the presence of God? Yeah. Isn't that so great? This is better than playing games, you know? Yes. Yes. And one of the things that I would, um, I would do is, is I would encourage the kids to 
try to express what it was they were feeling or sensing so that the other kids in the room could hear what they were saying and they would sit there and go, oh, I felt that too. So that's what God feels like. Exactly. And once they realize that what they're feeling isn't just a warm fuzzy, but it's the presence of God. Yes. Then they crave more. Yes, that's correct. That's really correct. Join us next time because we have more to talk about with Becky about the state of children's ministry in the church. If you're (laughs) interested in hearing more about Becky, you can go to the website kidsinministry.org and learn all about it. She has curriculum, all kinds of resources to help you. If you enjoyed this Ignite Kidman podcast, subscribe and click the bell or notification button. If you would like more resources and curriculum for your children's ministry or would like to schedule an event, check out RevivalFireForKids.com. Consider becoming a patron and receive monthly Zoom calls, online support, and children's ministry resources at RevivalFireForKids.com slash Ignite. Until next time.